0: I know there's a few of you eagerly awaiting me to announce where we're going because this will be the second last time we have in this building. Um, Next week we will be here, but there will be no chairs or anything left in the building. So we're going to ask you to bring a a seat or a rug and we're going to have lunch together and just celebrate our time here. But I want to tell you where we're going and tell you what's happening throughout my apologies throughout my sermon this morning, because this week has been a very, very challenging, um, faith-building, rocking week for myself and Jess. And on Monday afternoon I had written a sermon in my head that was very exciting. Come Wednesday afternoon, I had reinforced that exciting sermon um, and was getting ready to make an exciting announcement. Come Thursday afternoon, I was incredibly challenged at my desk, mild version, having a little cry to myself, because the plan, my plan changed to god 's plan, and that was an extraordinarily challenging, humbling experience that i 'm going to talk us through um, as we go but if you 've got a Bible, go to Matthew fourteen for me and what I mean by those those days was Monday afternoon I met with an agent at a property in Molandina for us to potentially um, Acquire and move into, and we had someone there helping us um, navigate what the how the pricing would work, but it was very expensive. And we were wrestling with stretching ourselves and bringing ourselves into what God had for us. And there was somebody helping us and sort of navigating how we could increase our bottom line and how we could move into a bigger facility, and it was all very exciting. On Wednesday afternoon. We met with the owner of that building, and there was some talk about buying the building. There was all kinds of things thrown around in a in a meeting, and I was standing in the meeting, very excited, very challenged, and very stretched at the same time. And what took place over the time was I, I started asking God. We we came on on Monday morning, uh, sorry Monday night, to pray, and my prayer was very simple and. The guys who are here, the prayer over the last sort of six to seven weeks has been pretty simple. Lord, make it your will being done. That's it. Make your will, your kingdom come. Let us lay down what we have and what we're holding onto and let your will come. And on Monday night, we prayed something that was reminded to me this morning at a ridiculous hour that I prayed that God, if this is a shiny object that's going to distract us from you, would you take it from us? And one of the things that we were going to have to do in acquiring the new building was that we were going to have to put a business together, which Jess and I had stayed up pretty late one night building and putting together in order to finance the, the move forward along with a few other things. And the whole way along this journey, I was saying to Jess, she said, how do you feel about it? I said, I feel really excited, but I also feel out of my depth. I feel unsure because I don't quite, can't quite put the pieces together. And in the process, God led me back to this verse in Matthew 14, 22, verse 33. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get out, get into the boat, and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was long away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking from the the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, and he took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then and when they got into the boat the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now I know that I have shared this in the last probably year and a half, I've shared this verse in and many aspects of it, and broken down what what's taking place in this verse. But it really occurred to me in this last week that that this what's taking place here is exactly where this house has been, and in this building chase and this desire to to go somewhere, there has been a challenge for me in my heart as to what's the storm and what's Jesus, right? What am I looking at? Am I looking at the storm or am I looking at Jesus? And I I realized that we can in pretty quickly we can get to a place where we are starting to create our own understanding of what's happening. We start to look for these, we call them prophetic signs or prophetic symbols, and we sort of allow those things in some ways to lean us toward a direction that may not be where God's calling us. And what tends to take place in our heart is that we start to desire something that we think God's putting in our heart as a desire, and it becomes this amazing thing that it wasn't always supposed to be. My stepdad used to have a a saying that it was like lipstick on a pig, that no matter what you do, it's still a pig, right? You can dress it up, put lipstick on it, eyeliner, you can make it as snazzy as you like, but at the end of the day, it's still a pig. And I think what happens in our our Christian walk often, and, and I'm being humbled of it this week, is that... We, we get so caught out and so desired on what's in front of us that we start to manifest these things and we say, well, God's positioned it before us. And in the process of this building, these things were starting to fall in place and I realized, not until I'd literally had a tantrum and thrown my toys out of the cot, that I realized that I had put lipstick on a pig. And I realized that in that time, I had misheard what God was saying but was conjuring something to make it my heart and my chase what I did was what Peter did when he got out of the boat was he set his eyes on the storm and coming out of the storm he had set his heart on something on just getting out if I could just get past the waves Lord then I'll be okay but what he did was he stopped looking at the one who calms the storm he stopped looking at the storm karma. He stopped looking at the one who would pull him out of the mess and turn to the mess and started to navigate the mess based on an earthly situation. So when he looked at the storm, it was the world he was looking at, it was the earthly setup that he was looking at that he started to manifest an earthly setup in his feet that made him sink into the water. See, when he kept his eyes on Christ... It was a heavenly aspect that kept him above the water. And when he set his eyes on, on, on the world, it was a worldly aspect. See, what happens, when, no matter how well we dress it, if we keep repeating to ourselves, this is God, that doesn't make it God. And we can make the thing look a million bucks. We can make the thing look as fancy as we want. And we can convince ourselves and convince ourselves. But what often happens is that then you have to die with that conviction. You get out into it. We've all done this to some aspect, a pair of shoes we want to buy, somebody we've dated, right? We tell ourselves, this is the thing. I've done my research. This is it. This is the one. And then we get it. and It's not quite what, it, what we thought it was, but we keep telling ourselves it is because we don't want to, have to actually have to accept we could have got it wrong here. And can I tell you, I was in that place. I was pushing this thing so hard because I could see that we were running out of time in this building. We, we had nowhere to go, and I could see it just there. And I was saying, God, you've given this to us. Until I decided to call Paul Tothill, which was the best and worst thing I decided to do in this process. Because I called Paul, and I haven't spoken with Paul for a couple of weeks. We've been both been busy and just missed each other. And I called Paul on, on Thursday about lunchtime. And I called him with exciting news to say that we've found somewhere we're going, where our bags are packed. And as I called Paul, he had questions for me. As he started to hear how we were managing it, what it was going to look like, he started to ask these questions. And in my my flesh, I realised now, I started to become defensive. I started to become a bit annoyed that Paul wasn't on my side. Why aren't you backing me in this? Why aren't you, you're supposed to be my mate. You're supposed to be on my side, right? And as I'm talking to him, I began to get more flustered and the less I wanted to tell him because the more he was poo-pooing my great idea that I had put together. So he says to me, he said, at the end of the conversation, he asked me a number of of questions that I didn't have good answers for and I knew as soon as he asked a question, I didn't have a good answer for it. And he asked me a a final blow question and I got a bit frustrated and he said, hey, mate, do you think it's a good deal? I said, yes. He goes, then I back you. And that was the end of the phone call. I hung up. I was going to play um, a game of golf that we had booked in that I was calling my celebratory. We did it. We made it game of golf that we're going to go and play. I went back and sat at my desk and, His questions were rolling around in my head and the prayer, Lord, if it's your will, let it come, was rolling around in my head. And I realized in the midst of it, it was my last game before two weeks of work and rain celebratory game of golf. That was the game of golf I was going to play on Thursday. And I realized as I sat down at my desk that right in that moment when I was talking to Paul, there was a different spirit at work in my heart. Because if he is my friend, if he is someone who backs me, then I should have been excited that he was questioning my move, not upset. And in the midst, as I walked up the stairs, the Holy Spirit said, check your heart, something's wrong. So I went and sat at my desk and I I was pondering and pondering and and I came to the conclusion that it wasn't Paul's heart that was wrong, it was mine. I was defensive when I should have been encouraged by what he was challenging me in. So... I rang the boys. I'm not coming to golf to my last game before two weeks of work and rain celebratory game of golf. As hard as that was, I need to pray. I need to work this out. So I closed the door. I sat at my desk and I started researching the deal. I went back through everything I was trying to understand. And I came to this conclusion through tears and pain and suffering that this was not right. I sent Jess a Slack message that just said, I don't think we can move forward with this. Which, in hindsight, she panicked and called me. <laughs> and I was a mess and just said, what, what is wrong? And I said, I, I think this is the wrong move. But if I take it away, if I take it away, we have to go back to nothing. If I take it away, I have to go back to Jesus. Can I stand on the water? And as I was praying and praying and asking God, he reminded me of a sermon that I preached must have been six eight months ago and i went back to my notes and in my notes was this verse and i told I, I preached on the fact that the word faith that jesus uses here where he says to peter peter you of little faith it wasn't the faith the word faith there that he uses the word sorry the word little that he uses is the is the greek word oligos and it means brief short little small or wild and when he says to him, Peter, you have little faith, he's not saying you don't have enough. He's not saying you have less than a mustard seed. He's saying, Peter, you don't have faith long enough to keep you on the water. When you go back through and look at every time Jesus challenges them on their faith, and he says you don't have enough faith, little faith, he's saying your faith won't hold long enough to see what I really have for you. You give it over before it's too late for it's too early rather you decide i have a quick burst of faith and i get into the place and then all of a sudden it falls away and i lose what it is that i'm looking at and i turn to look at the storm the natural things that are around me what jesus is saying to him is peter could have you held on a little longer you would have stayed afloat you would have seen what i had to show you next and what God was saying was, he said, you've shifted your eyes from me in this process. You've shifted your eyes away from me as Christ and onto the natural resources of the world. And that's why you're beginning to sink in this deal and in this in this understanding. God has given me an ability to, to see things that don't always make sense, a, a, a wisdom, if you will. And I'm not saying that arrogantly, but... I'm saying that to say that in this process, I didn't have that. I couldn't see clearly. And when Jess, when I rang Jess, I said, I can't see. I I feel like the lights are turned off. And in this process, God was saying the lights are turned off because your eyes are no longer on me. And what happens is for all of us is that we get faith to get into a thing, but we lose faith to hold on to the thing. So we get a word of, of moving nations or shifting houses or changing jobs or, or putting our trust in him in a certain area and we jump in really quick, right? There's not really an issue when we hear the word, we jump in, but it's when that word's been prolonged for a month, for two months, for five months, for a year, for two years. God, you said, he says, yeah, but your faith hold and I will reveal what it is. I wasn't going to share this, but I will. About two years ago, Jess and I were coming home from, from Pacific Fair. And as most of you know, and I've, as a lot of you have heard, Jess and I have wanted to, to buy a house for, since we got married, essentially. And we were driving home one day from, from Pack Fair, and there's a, a little place called Boonaroo Park just over there in Carrara. And um, I turned down, and, and we drove through. It's a nice little... Um, like a, what do you call it? Like a estate almost, but it doesn't, it's not called, it's just Boonaroo Park is its own little thing, but there's all these beautiful houses in there. And we drove around and we're just praying and asking God, Lord, you know, this is. there's a, a desire in our heart to have a house. We, we we want this. And we prayed boldly, we were driving down a street, we prayed boldly and said, Lord, would you give us a piece of land in here? And interestingly, it's, one of the only dead ends in Boonaroo Park that you drive down and you have to loop around and come back out. Then a couple of weeks later, we were at dinner with some church leaders and two of them who lead churches here on the Gold Coast, two of them live in Boonaroo Park and they were chatting about where they lived. And I said to one of the guys as a joke, I said, hey, if you've got the hookup in Boonaroo Park and you can get people houses, I want one. Get me a house in there. And he laughed and he said, the only one who gets your house in there is Jesus. Right? And we all had a chuckle, church leader, Christian joke. We had a laugh, you know. And I left it. We never thought about it. But Jess and I have always prayed when we drove past. We've always prayed in the area. And it's it's always been a desire in our heart. And about three or four weeks ago, Jess and I have been in the market to get a house, and we went to a house in Bunaro Park. And it wasn't until we drove away from looking at this house with the agent. It wasn't until we drove away that Jess said, babe, do you know that this is the street that we prayed in where we turned around in the cul-de-sac? And I said, wow, that, this is the street that we prayed on. We asked God to give us a piece of land. And we were chatting with the agent and there was quite a few people there and it seemed quite insane. But we went unconditional on that house two weeks ago. We move in in two weeks. That was that we wouldn't, we refused to let go of the faith that God said, right? But had you told me when we prayed it's going to be in two years' time, I would have been so upset about that. I'd have been like, two years? Lord, we want this now, right? Because in us, we don't want it to come. We want it today. We want to get a text message back as soon as we send the message to that person. We want that text message responded on now right? We want everything to take place now. But God is saying, you generation, you people of little faith, not a mustard seed, not the size, but the length. How long will you wait for me? Israel, how long will you wait in the halls of Babylon? How long will you stay remembering the promise that I gave to your forefathers? Could you imagine the authors who are writing things like the Psalms? like Job, when they're sitting in the place of exile, saying, God, you told us, you told us that there would be a generation that came, comes from Abraham that would be as, as multitudes as there is a grain of sands. You told us that we would have a promise beyond our understanding, and yet here we are. There would have been a generation that died in Babylon. Think about Moses and the Israelites walking through the, the, uh, into the promised land from the desert. There would have been a generation who never, ever got to see the promise that God gave Moses to the people. But there was a challenge in that to say, Israel, I have a promise for you. Will you have the faith long enough to see it through? And I think for us as a people, as we walk, not just for us in this house and not just for us in this community and, and where we're going to continue to go. But there's a challenge in us that will you have the faith to hold on in the promise that God's given you? Whether it be for a husband, for a wife, for kids, for that job, for that house, for the ministry that he's raising you up in. Do you have the faith to do it his way, not your way? That was the challenge that I had sitting in front of my, my desk. And I, I rang Dave and I was talking to Dave through it. And he said to me something very challenging. He said, if, if this person who's going to help you is no longer a part of this deal, then why don't we just get it on ourselves? Why don't we just go and just get the building as the church and, and pay the cost? And I said to him, well, I don't think that we can afford that. I don't think that it's within our means to do that. And Dave said to me, then I, is your eyes on this person who's helping us or is your eyes on Jesus? And again, you want to just do the quick red button, right? Because that's pretty uncomfortable because you're like, man, he's right. You know, He's got me on the old technicality. He's got me on the old scriptures, as they say. <laughs> but see, the challenge in that is that we actually have to start to address ourselves and say, God, is my prayer really? Are we really singing you're a good God, but in our heart? we actually don't have that revelation? Lord, are we really praying your way, not my way, but we don't actually have that revelation? God, are we actually submitting ourselves to you where we're willing to go and say, hey, I think I was wrong here? Or are we so caught up in ourselves that we're actually missing what Jesus is constantly revealing to us and nudging us, the uncomfortable nudge, the I love you, but you need to move here that 's the challenge, and then i was I was all through those prayer weeks god's been revealing john fourteen, so if you've got a Bible turn to John fourteen and i 've been asking god i don 't understand i don 't understand how this verse relates Lord to us moving now when I read it you 're going to go ben it 's pretty clear, but again, for some reason there was a, a a challenge in me that I couldn't quite see. And what I realized now was that my eyes were on the storm because it says this, John 14, verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also... And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas says to him, Lord, we did not know where you were going. How can we know the way? Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love that Thomas is with him. He puts his hand up. He's like, ah, you didn't show us that part. I'm looking at my worldly map, Jesus, and it says direction to go. It's not listed here. Like, I love that Thomas, old doubting Thomas, says, God, I, I don't get it. And then Jesus gives him an answer, for the record, that's still not very clear. Right? It's not like Thomas goes, sorry, Lord, I understand. I'll go there tomorrow. Right? It's not like he, it, it, it gave him this step to step. It, it was a revelation of, no, no, remember, Thomas, who I am, that the, I'm the way, the truth, the life right? What's Jesus doing? He's saying, Thomas, stop looking at the world's perspective of your situation. Look at me. It's the same thing he says to Peter. No one comes to the Father except through me, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. It's almost like a a little stab from Christ saying like, if you guys really knew who I was, you would have known this. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. You've seen him, disciples. Remember that. Verse eight, Philip puts his hand up. Jesus, another question for you. Show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. Jesus has just said, from now on, disciples, you know him and you have seen him. Philip, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be enough for him. Jesus' response is brutal. Have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen the Father, how can you say, show us the Father? Right there in the midst of his conversation with the disciples, two disciples, Thomas, Philip, they want to see what? They want to see the natural. They want to see the worldly perspective of what God is doing in their midst. What does Jesus do? He points them in both occasions. He points them back to the spiritual realm. In both occasions, he points them back to himself. Thomas, I want to see it. Jesus, Philip, I want to see it. Jesus says, you've both already seen it. What he's saying is he's saying that when you look at me, your future is in me. But when you look at the world, your future is in the world. He's saying that when you shift your gaze, you will begin to sink, just like I showed Peter on the boat earlier. When you take your eyes off me and you become so affixed on the things of the world you will reap your future from the things of the world and what is that? It means you sink in the water it doesn't mean you stand where Christ has asked you to stand see when we start to look at the things in our world and we start to see them falling apart we have to start to ask ourselves did I make the right decision Lord? If not then help me understand where I went wrong and that plays out in all kinds of our life. There's things for for me every day where I I sit and I think, Lord, did I make the right decision? Not the easy decision, the right decision. Because when I ask Jesus, what does it look like? Show me. He says, you already see me. You already see the Father. Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whoever asks in my name, this I will do. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That final line, if you ask me anything in my name, is prefaced by verse 12 where it says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Our asking of Christ is to do the works that he's doing in us already. When we ask God for anything in his name, we're asking for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done through me. So when I get to the place where I say, Lord, we need a building Lord, I need a new car. Lord, I need, I need, I need. God's saying, your eyes are on the wrong thing. You are looking at the storm that's before you. You're not looking at me and trusting in me. I understand this is a difficult word because I had to sit through it on Thursday afternoon. And with tears in my eyes, with a knot in my stomach, with my heart, Being wrenched, I said, Lord, I prayed and asked your will to be done, God. I still want to use that prayer. Let your will be done. What do I do? And in that, I had to go back and unravel. I had to call the agents. I had to call the lawyer. I had to call the person who was helping us and apologize for wasting their time and thank them for their effort. But that we would have to stop the process. And in that, I was asking God, Lord, what is it? And he brought the prayer back that I prayed Monday on Monday night. He said, it was a shiny thing that was distracting you from me. And I realized, how can I continue to disciple people and, and lead the church the direction he's asking me to if I'm also a full-time business owner trying to run enough cash to pay the bills? And I realized in that time that, Lord, you had led me to a place where I had shifted my gaze. I want to repent for that. And I want to ask that you would help me never take that long again. Let me realize quicker than ever, Lord, that that wasn't you and that this is. And I think that when we actually become disciples of him to a position where we are honest with ourselves, we know when God is leading us and not leading. Paul's questions that he asked me on the phone were not very difficult questions that I should have had answers to. But it upset me because I was operating in a place that wasn't from the kingdom realm. I was operating in a place that wasn't actually stepping where God had asked us. So I want to challenge you this morning. Is there a time in your life where you are are looking at something? Is there a, a, a position in your life where you are trying your very best to conjure up the language to say, God has called me to that. We've seen this time and time and time again where people running from their world will move to a new city or a new town or a job or they will create a God said, God said this so that they don't have to actually deal with the challenge of, Lord, what are you training and equipping in me? And I want to ask, will you bring yourself to the place where you can ask, God, am I looking at you or am I looking at the storm? Am I searching with all that I am that way out? Am I running from what you have for me? Am I heading towards something that may be good for me, but I know is going to challenge me? Lord, is your will being done in my life? The reason I pray that so often is that I think that that is the very bottom line of, who we are as Christians, followers of Christ, is his will being done in our life. So I want to end with this. Where are we going to from here if you crushed the only deal that was before us? And you know, can I tell you, I said to Paul on the phone when we were chatting, he said, I think you know what's happening. And I said, If I don't go with this, where do we go? And I think that was a part of the problem, was that Jesus was saying, you're not trusting me. You're not trusting me. And that was my challenge, to stand before a people. I said to Paul, how do I lead a people to nothing? He said, Moses did it. And I went, anyway, got to go. Got (laughs) golf to play, right? So where we're going to from here is on Tuesday... There will be a container dropped out the front of this place and we're going to pack everything that won't be sold into that container and we're going to store that container at a container shipping storing facility and we're going to look for a building to rent um, either from another church. There's a few guys, actually quite a few leaders who have reached out to us and said we can use their building. But what that's going to mean is that we're going to change our time so we are probably at this stage, TBA, until we lock a building in, we will be going to Sunday afternoons. And I'm hoping, if we can lock the building in, that we will be at a community hall around the corner. But it's also not our resting place. It's not where we're finishing. It's not where we're going to, to stay for a long period of time, we, which I will share on the first Sunday that we move. We have a plan that God's stirring and growing in us. And we thought that that plan had been extraordinarily fast-tracked, but that turns out to be not the case. That was my heart for the plan. But we have a plan to move forward. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to a facility and continue to disciple, to continue to train and equip, continue to to praise and worship God, continue to meet and gather together with the plan to one day step back into our own building and be in that place. But we're also not locked in or phased by that plan either. I, am, I have learned enough now to know that I don't know very much. So we will just continue to seek God, continue to ask what's the next step, where do we go? And want I want to encourage you guys and thank you for standing with us in this long, the amount of times I've stood from this wine barrel and said, I don't know. And then on the final moment, I was hoping to stand here and say, I know. But instead, I have to stand here and say, I still don't know. But we will go where God leads us. And I refuse to to go on my own accord and try and make something happen and then have it just fall over and be a waste of how many years we, we waste trying to push in that direction. So if you would like to help us pack up, we... I will be here from Monday, I'm hoping, until Friday, and I don't have to be here on Saturday, but I will be here from Monday to Friday from about 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock. So if you want to come and lend some time and help, we will be here carrying stuff from here to the shipping container, selling. We don't have to clean up, which is good, because they're going to come and destroy most of what's in here anyway. So we just have to move it. So if you want to help, please come and do that. You're more than welcome. Um, And if you can't, if you're working or it just doesn't work for you, that's okay. We will get it done. And then next Sunday, we will still be here. Bring a picnic blanket and a chair. We're going to do a barbecue. And we're just going to thank God for the time that we have been here. And we're going to bless the next people who are coming in. Whether they're saved or not saved or a church or not, we're going to ask God to continue to use this building to pour out on them and to bless them. So please come and do that. Before we finish, does anyone want to ask any questions? I don't really have answers, but I'll try my best. No. Just stay in touch as well. We, I know there's a lot of people away this morning and I will, I will post this sermon, plus I will reach out to those guys um, so they know we'll do a Facebook post and stuff. But just stay with us in where we're going hearing where we're going to be at what the time is if the time doesn't work for you that's okay we can let us help you find somewhere else to go if we shift to an afternoon and that doesn't work don't just leave and be disheartened i know a lot of other church leaders in the city i have no issues with guys moving because it's it's god's moving them on or calling them so if that's the case come and talk to us let us help um i know leaders from all kinds of different denominations and I'm friends with them. They're not just acquaintances, we're friends. So if I can send you to someone we know and someone who has a similar heart and position, great. But come and talk with us. But no one has any questions, so let's stand and we'll pray. Father, Lord, we just come before you right now. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you softened my heart enough to see you. God, I thank you that you humbled me, Father, that you taught me in this time. Lord God, as difficult as it was, as challenging as it is, Lord, I thank you that you are continually molding us and making us. God, I thank you that when there's things in our heart that shouldn't be, you, you nudge us and you edge us to change, God. You you give us opportunity after opportunity to hear your heart. And Lord, I thank you that you continually do that. And God, we stand right now as a people and we say we trust you. God, I trust you more than anything, more now than ever. I trust you to lead us and guide us where it is you're calling us, Lord. Father, I thank you that we can come together as a family. We can come together as a community from different different churches from different parts of the world God that we can still come together in this nation and in this city and worship your name that God regardless of of buildings regardless of time Lord regardless of structure you are still worthy to be praised God you are still incredibly amazing Lord and we come this morning and 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 into the future just to worship you to glorify you to set our hearts and our gaze upon you Jesus you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And and Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for all you've given us. Lord, thank you for this building. Thank you for the time we've seen in it. Thank you for the moves we've seen in prayer, for the healings, for, for all of the things we've seen done in this building. God, we just ask that whoever comes next will have an increase of that. God, that there will be something left in these walls, something left in the carpet of a sweetness of you, Jesus. So Lord, we thank you. We honor you. And in your beautiful and glorious name we pray. Amen.